Hey, what's up everybody? My name's MJ and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. As usual, before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like you to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash MTG in Quarantine. It's a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, Jenna the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J. Rowe, Geek Beardly, and Scoop Base for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash MTG in Quarantine for more information. And you can pick up your very own MTG in Quarantine branded playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Got two really awesome versions, both the full color logo as well as the gray scale. They both look killer. You're going to want one for you and all of your friends. So again, that is Inked Gaming, I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Search MTG in Quarantine. I have both the links included in my link tree. Every purchase helps support the channel and is greatly appreciated. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about, again, I put these in scare quotes, staples. So again, I don't personally like using the word staples, but today's episode, we'll be talking about decks that myself and my guests usually like to throw in a lot of our EDH decks when brewing. So without further ado, I think my guest needs no introduction, but I will do so anyway. I would like to welcome back patron and friend of the show, Coach j Welcome back. Hey there, how's it going? going all right uh yeah before we get started here again jay i'm sure the people out there have uh, hopefully listened to all the episodes you've guessed it on but if they haven't and this is their first time would you like to reintroduce yourself and the content that you, that you create so i'm coach jay really on some skull uh <clears throat> i write for eda track i am also uh <clears throat> a streamer at twitch.tv backslash unsummoned skull uh, I have a YouTube channel at bit.ly backslash on some skull. Um, can be found on Twitter at uh, coach underscore J underscore RO. And I run the Quote of Arms podcast where we talk about people's favorite creature types, archetypes, and synergies. Mm-hmm. Recently yeah. uh, put out the 50th episode. Nice, nice. And uh, at some point, I, I, I did record an episode on there uh, a little while back. So uh, definitely be on mm-hmm. the listen for that whenever that gets uploaded. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I still have the. I haven't put the backlog ones out yet. That's okay. That's okay. But at some point, uh, my episode on your Court of Arms podcast will be out in there in the public oh, domain. Absolutely. So yeah, and it's gonna be a good one uh, about a deck that I've talked about on here before. But again, that is for another day, another podcast. Today we're going to be talking about some of the cards that we kind of gravitate towards whenever we build a new deck. So again, like I said just a minute ago, I really hate the term staples. I feel like that's saying, well, you're going to put this deck in, or this card in literally every deck, kind of like Soul Ring or Arcane Signet. And while that may apply to how I look at building my own decks, I really don't like calling them staples because I don't feel like any card really is necessarily good in every deck. So I think that this episode is really going to be just us talking about the, the cards that kind of get towards what we call stable territory, but, uh, you know, that we that we like throwing personally in every deck, or almost every deck, but, you know, it doesn't feel like it's needed, I guess, um, in, in every situation. There are cards where uh, I like to make sure I have uh, extra copies of them, because okay, yeah. when I'm building a deck, it's, it, it, they're cards that I find myself using a lot. All right, all right. So, uh, yeah, Jaira, since you are the guest on today's episode, let's get started with one of the cards that you feel like you really want to have in most of your decks. 
So, uh, one of my favorite cards, and actually, I just uh, I, I'm also going through the, the the point because I have OCD and I like everything to be the same everywhere if I can control it. Uh, in terms of like the card art and such, I'm going through and. Uh, Truce is one of my favorite cards. Mm, uh, even, yes. Uh, it was my first uh, signature spell in Oathbreaker. And I'm going through and uh, finding all of the, uh, I think it's third edition ones I can find. Mm -hmm. uh, which edition? Oh, uh, no, it's fifth edition. Yeah, fifth. Yeah. <clears throat> and putting them into uh, decks. Uh, not just because I like the art, but because in this case, it has my favorite flavor text on any card. Mm -hmm. It's really emblematic of how I approach games in general, but also magic. So what, is it, what does Truce do? So Truce is an instant for two generic and a white. Uh, each player may draw up to two cards. For each card less than two, any player draws, that player gains two life. So it's essentially a modal spell that says each player may choose one of the following, gain four life, uh, gain two life and draw a card, or draw two cards. Mm -hmm. So I like this. Is, it's an interesting political card. Uh, it's a very fun card in decks that care about hand size but don't care about life total. Uh, but in general, I like to use uh, mutual card draw effects because they're just fun for the table. Uh, so I have it in my Glunch deck. Uh, which cares about hand size because hand size grows glunch uh, when I have Imperial played out, and I've actually commander damaged somebody to death with a glunch that had zero printed power and no plus one plus one counters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, gain, your, gain however much life you want. It's not going to stop commander damage. For uh, sure. <clears throat> it's in my Brina deck because it's... Uh, one of the ways to draw a bunch of cards, but it also shares that card draw, and if I have card draw punishing effects, then you wind up not, you wind up basically having to choose a life, because you don't want to draw the cards, or if you take the cards, then it becomes at a bigger risk. Uh, I have it in my, uh, <clears throat> I have a, it's uh, altered to be a zoom rule, but it's a uh, quain. Mm -hmm. This is a perfect card for Queen because it draws everybody further, increases the hand size. You don't care about the life total because my Queen deck is a mill deck. Uh, but it doesn't actually have anything that says mill. <clears throat> now, is that something because of the keyword change? or? Uh... Uh, no, nothing on there actually mills anybody. The goal of the deck is to have everybody draw out their deck. Like, actually draw out the deck. Okay, that, that makes sense, yeah. So, the, the setup that it's looking for, and it's happened a few times, including a couple times on stream, is, uh, <clears throat> so I'm on Summon Skull, so I love my, my mass bounce uh, effects. Mm -hmm. So I have mass bounce effect, followed by a windfall. So everybody discards the cards in their hand and draws equal to the highest amount discarded that way. Okay. So... <clears throat> I put everything back in everybody's hands, make them discard everything that was just put back in their hands, and <clears throat> if people overextend, then this can be absolute killer. And if they don't overextend, 
and then I can just control a game. Yep. Yeah, I, I do run Truce kind of off and on in my uh, Kark deck, actually, because it's just kind of a funny funny uh, card that, you know, if you can copy it with Kark's ability, all of a sudden everyone can draw four cards at the table. It's just kind of a card that goes in and out of the list. Sometimes when I feel like I want to have it in there, it goes in. When I feel like I don't want to have it, I don't have it in there. But it's just... I love the ability to just be able to give everyone symmetrical card draw or, you know, gain life. It's just, it, it really depends on whatever you need at the time, and, and that modality is really cool. Yeah, it could even be used if you're looking to swap life totals with someone. That is definitely true, and I know you have a deck that loves to do that, so. <laughs> yeah, you take the cards, they take the life, and you go, okay, thank you. Yep. All <laughs> right. Yeah, so my first card, again, if you've been listening to the podcast enough, you probably already know this, but again, this is a uh, an, an MJ playgroup special, uh, so something that uh, got you know introduced to me out of our playgroup, and I've just really jammed in a lot of my white decks. So it is white card, like I said, and it is Dawn Charm. And Dawn Charm is an instant uh, one and a white, and has three modes. You choose one, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. Again, ignore the typo, Commander Legends version. Um, and again, this the, the, the fog effect is usually what I use here, but it also allows you to either regenerate target creature or counter target spell that targets you. Like I just said, I typically use this for the fog ability because, again, I, I honestly just used this last night when I was on the Guardian Project podcast. Um, or, yeah, to, to be able to prevent some, some damage done to me um, you, you, using this card that may have actually killed me. I th- yeah, I think it would have been lethal damage and I was able to prevent the, the damage, so that was really nice. But also just the fact that you can regenerate target creature is really nice because if you need to protect your things, especially in mono white, you could run a flicker effect or you could run Dawn Charm and regenerate creature if it gets destroyed, which is really nice in certain situations, or just countering target spell that targets you. You ever have a fireball going at your face? Yeah, Dawn Charm stops that in mono white. So just it's really nice to be able to have that modality on here even though i'm really only going to use the first line of text 95 percent of the time it's just nice to have the modality it's an instant it really only it only costs one white so you know plus the plus the colorless so it's really cheap and it has a really nice effect for the way that my playgroup really runs games and you know in the vast majority of uh, of games that I'm, I'm playing in with my more casual decks this card is relevant so it's never dead it's super cheap to cast, and it really gives you a lot of a lot of options, and that's why I really enjoy this card. And it's also monetarily cheap too. I mean, the Commander Legends version is only twenty nine cents. So let's be honest; it's just a great card in white. I'm a, I, I love playing white, and this card is great. Yeah, it's particularly good um, if you're using it with some effects that force combats, uh, because you know that the people are going to be attacking, and you know that it's going to be relevant. And the threat of Dawn Charm is just a constant. Uh, you don't know if you're going to get blown out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and and it's really nice. I mean, compare. let's compare it to something like Settle the Wreckage, right, which is an instant for two white-white, which will exile all attacking creatures. This card is cheaper, and it while it won't have the same kind of uh, board wipe ability as Settle the Wreckage, it's definitely gives you i i love the modality of this one i mean they can easily go hand in hand honestly if you're running a mono white deck i i used to have a mono white turbo fog deck which was not fun to play against or actually play me as the player um had that and both these cards were in there 
because, you know, it was just really nice to have the kind of the double effect. I can fog you or I can just remove all your creatures from combat. You have to respect the fact that I may have this in hand. And my play group kind of expects that if I have two mana with one white open and a deck running white, that I 50-50 chance I do have Dawn Charm. So um, it, it, it's just nice, nice deterrent, honestly, to make people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, especially so. So what I was thinking of in terms of like ways to make Don Charm really nasty would be something like Biden to Thassa. So one of the so one of the cards I was thinking of in terms of building around. I know that was another topic that we were tossing around for what we, what we were talking about mm-hmm. is uh, Rasputin. Um, so the new Rasputin gives opponents uh, creatures, <clears throat> and I have a few decks that are like that, that give opponents creatures and then force combats. So if you use Biden of Thassa to force somebody to attack, you are technically haven't goaded them, so they can attack whoever they want, mm-hmm. but you know that attacking you isn't a safe attack. And by compelling the attack and then fogging the attack if it comes at you, you've given yourself a reason to attack them, they've given you an open player to attack, Mm-hmm. And you have the benefits to attack from the Biden itself from the from dealing combat damage to a player. I can see that, yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to your second card there, Jero. Okay. So another card I use a lot. I don't want to necessarily go into something that would go into the same deck, so let's let's go with something that's a little different. <clears throat> Well, it's for a different reason. So let's go with Gift of Estates. Okay. <clears throat> so Gift of Estates uh, technically doesn't do anything if you have the most lands. But if you're in white... Probably not. Uh, <clears throat> um, so what it, what it allows you to do is find a number of planes and put them in your hand. So why would you want planes in your hand? I mean, it, it ensures you get your land drops, which is nice. So it's a ramp spell, mm-hmm. but I've used it in my Quintorius as a way to get extra cards in hand so that I could have things that I wanted to rummage away with, uh, <clears throat> like Tormenting Voice and such, and then I can play them from the grave later for fun and profit with uh, <clears throat> the artifact whose name I'm always forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Now you know you're on the uh, MTG and Quarantine podcast because card names do not matter. <laughs> Crucible of Worlds. I always think it's something else. I, I think I want to call it Extra Planar Lens because you're oh, getting yeah. lens from another place. But no, it, it's Crucible of Worlds. <laughs> I keep forgetting it's... Sorry, card. You're, you're, you're better than that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not better. And I... I know the listeners no, 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 out there can back me up names. on this one, is that I, I forget name card names all the time. It's almost like 50-50 if MJ forgets the card name, so it happens. I was saying the card is worth remembering, but yeah, that's true too. Uh, uh, Gift of the State's working, obviously, they create a little in and that also winds up creating 3-2 Spirit with Quintorius. Uh <clears throat> I use that with, uh, <clears throat> uh, so I have my 
Red White Wheels deck, which is currently helmed by Rem Carolus, uh, because it increases the hand size for windfall effects, like uh, I think Incendiary Command is one of them. Uh, <clears throat> so it increases the hand size uh, for mass wheel effects instead of just putting lands in hand, which uh, or putting extra cards in hand for other reasons. So Gift of the States is one that I like because it's instant sorcery based because I, I like uh, things that happen once and are finished rather than permanents that sit on the board. Um, <clears throat> it also helps fill the graveyard with instant sorceries for effects that care about that. Uh, like, say, Mystics' uh, Mastery. Uh, or uh, so, so those are effects that can help to get additional value out of cards like that. <clears throat> um, helps fuel delve if you're looking to do stuff like that. So uh, I like instant and surgery because they put something in the graveyard for me to be able to use later, and also because I get the effect that I know that I'm going to get the effect. The, the difference between a gift of the of a state and say a Lanoir elf is that the Lanoir elf can get killed before you ever use it. But the gift of a state, as long as it resolves and you're behind on lands, which is usually going to be true if you're a white deck, somebody's going to come out ahead of you. Uh, <clears throat> you're getting your lands out of the deck. It's it's like a mini land tax. For sure. And, you know, this card, I think, really gets kind of a bad rap in the fact that people are still stuck in this, you know, mono white sucks uh, train that people love being on. But Gift of Estates is actually really underrated because it's effectively pay to draw three cards. And you're going to say, well, you're drawing three lands. But again, when you're in white, especially mono white, I think the best form of ramp you can actually do. And, and I know Peter, a.k.a. Mono Whiteboarder, and you, Jayra, we did touch on this. Um, back back when you were doing the Planeswalker series, is that when you're trying to make sure you hit your land drops, that is the most important ramp you can possibly do in mono-white. Again, it doesn't matter how many mana rocks you're running. The idea is you just want to make sure that you're hitting your land drops. And Gift of Estates guarantees that you will be able to do that. And again, I know uh, Charles, actually, uh, the mono-white guy, actually does play this card in even in CDH lists sometimes, too. So, I mean... This card is actually far more valuable than a lot of people give it credit for because you are getting those guaranteed three cards and you're also getting the benefit of being able to shuffle your library, which, you know, could actually be beneficial for the right kind of deck or if you're just drawing junk off the top and you never know when just being able to reshuffle your deck and hopefully be able to get something better on top might actually save you. There's also the corner case scenarios where it it says planes cards. It doesn't say it has to be basic planes Basic planes, yeah. So you can get, say, Mistvale Plains, you can get uh, a dual land that has plane in the... In and if the, the OG duels and CDH, uh, yeah, just plateau, take your pick, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things I like for people who are brewing at a lower power level is that uh, <clears throat> there's a new... Uh, so one of the things coming out in Dominaria is another cycle of uh, common... Uh, dual lands. Mm -hmm. So this is a relatively cheap card, and it's getting more accessible, and it's also something that newer players could have more use for than they might have in past formats. Possibly, yeah. I mean, again, they're, while they may kind of look like Gilgates in a way, yeah, the fact you can fetch mm -hmm. them with something like this does definitely bring them ahead of that. 
yeah, a lot of cool things you can do with Gift of Estates. Anyway, I'm going to move on to my second card here. I'm going to actually stay in white here because y'all know how much I love white as a color. I just love everything the color <laughs> does and just the fact that I keep finding new and silly things to do with white and, uh, and in accordance either with itself or with other colors. And again, I'm also a tokens player. Surprise, surprise. And I know I've talked about this card many on many occasions, but I'm just going to talk about it again. My second card that I really like jamming a lot of decks is Call the Copper Coats. Um, it's an instant out. Originally came out in Commander 2020 um, with the Ikoria theme, obviously. And it is an instant for costing two and a white. Also has Strive, so the spell costs one and a white more to cast for each target beyond the first, which usually happens. And it reads, choose any number of target opponents. Create X11 white human soldier creature tokens where X is the number of creatures those opponents control. This is the perfect army in a can card for me. Because a lot of people like creature decks, so you're going to be having five, six, seven creatures out. And then if I just have five mana on your end step before my turn, I can cast this, maybe get nine, ten, maybe up to 15 creatures just for two. And maybe I have seven mana and I'm able to get 20 plus creatures. Well, all of a sudden, that becomes extremely relevant because even just in my basic token decks, I have ways to pump those tokens. I have ways to do some things in combat. And all of a sudden, I am I go from basically having zero board to being a very scary threat. And I just love the ability for this card to scale, as well as even if I'm just able to cast it for three and get four or five creatures, well, all of a sudden, now I actually have bodies out there either to attack with, to block with, and it's, it's a very nice cost. The strive is very reasonable. Um, it, it's not something we've really seen a lot of since, uh, since Theros block, I, OG Theros block, I believe, so... Um, I, I just like this ability to build my army in a can that scales well, and that is quite relevant, honestly. And human and soldiers are also relevant creature types, too. So this can actually slot into tribal decks. I believe I'm running in this in my human tribal deck. I don't remember, but if I am, it's just a great way to be able to get a bunch of humans onto the battlefield. A lot of really cool things you can do with this card. And again, uh, well, there have been a couple of price spikes. It's only about a buck thirty right now over on TCG Player. So very affordable and something I really jam in a lot of my white decks and and all of my white token decks. So I also love the card. I, uh, in my, I have a Hixus. Please say it's mostly together. I, I call it Hixus Trixus uh, because it's a mono white flash deck. Yep. Uh, so I run it in there mostly because I like the way that it wins is by playing instant speed token producers like Settle the Wreckage or White Sun Zenith or mm-hmm. in this case Coppercoats works as well and then <clears throat> untap a Chroma's Vengeance win. Yeah. Yeah, that that works real well. Just White has so many ways to be able to just create tokens out of the blue. There are just so many options and Call the Coppercoats just kind of really personifies just all the things you can do at instant speed in white to create a bunch of soldiers. And it's really one of the things I just love about white decks, honestly, just personified in this one card is army in a can instant speed, relatively cheap cost, and then go to punch phase next turn. And I will be able to do a lot of damage. And I just love that about this card. It's a great card. Anyway, all right, Jera, what is your third card for today? So, third card that I would go with, I, um, I'll switch colors this time and go with one of my favorite win cons, which is uh, Stormseeker. 
I have a number of similar effects, functional reprints, like Sudden Impact, but it, my favorite way to win the game in currently is drawing everybody a ton of cards or <clears throat> um, bouncing everything. Uh, I even so one of the uh, more obscure decks that has uh, Stormseeker as a featured card is Grothama. So Grothama is one of my favorite decks that I made because I, I made it out of cards I just had lying around. That's actually what was my impetus for bringing up the subject is because I just looked at a I had a, a pile of just cards I like. Like you know, this is a deck. Um, I had Grothama in about two or three decks and just wound up pulling them out, and it, it never quite fit. So I decided, you know what, why not just give it its own chance? So that deck has Black Vibe, Stormseeker, as ways to punish the opponent for having cards in hand. How do I get them with cards in hand? Well, Grothama <clears throat> is a 10-8, and when it attacks... Or sorry, when a creature attacks, that creature may fight Grothama. And then when Grothama dies, each uh, player who damaged it draws cards equal to the number or equal to the amount of damage that it took. So somebody blasphemous acts. Okay, you're gonna draw a ton of cards, but I'm also gonna swarm seeker. <laughs> so you take damage equal to how much you just drew. Or how much you have in hand. So some some of the Nasty, sneaky things like that. Uh, <clears throat> such a such a fun deck. It's one of my favorite ones because it. it but my well, the decks that wind up having places of honor in my heart are usually decks I didn't intend to make. And I didn't intend for growth on to happen. It just happened. And I love it. <laughs> um, but I have uh, Stormseeker in my Tatiova deck. My Tatiova deck is the current inheritor to the uh, Simic Burn. Mm -hmm. It functions a little bit differently from how Simic Burn used to. Um, <clears throat> but it's able to... It has a lot of the mutual card draw. It actually gives people lands as well, which is a little bit more generous than I usually am in, uh, in a group hug deck. But it also... Um, <clears throat> Because Tatiova is gaining life as I'm putting lands out, I'm able to break some of the parity for cards like Hurricane. So I wind up at a higher life total, and as long as I Hurricane for enough, I can usually kill everybody else while I'm still alive. <clears throat> yeah. Look at that, Jero, with the niche cards that people have not seen since the 90s. It's crazy. Person in my, uh, in my Discord uh, goes by Little Timmy. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember Timmy or not. Possibly. Uh, likes to play elves and such. Uh, <clears throat> but Timmy, on one of my Oathbreaker games, uh, actually one of the first Oathbreaker videos that I went up in, uh, which were on my YouTube. Ah, bonus shout out. Uh, but uh, it's on my Oath and Dagger series on my YouTube. Uh, <clears throat> ran, I think it was OG Nissa, Nissa Ravane, mm -hmm. which gained a plus two, gained two life for each elf you control, I think. 
uh, <clears throat> use that with uh, because they're all making a bunch of mana uh, <clears throat> with Hurricane as the signature spell. And that was kind of the inspiration for using Tatiova to rebuild um, Simic Burn. Uh huh. Simic Burn was one of my headliner decks when I started on the Unsummoned Skull Lane. <clears throat> and then it kind of fell by the wayside because it wasn't as powerful or consistent or functional, even though it did its job. But this one, this is hilarious. Also, the Tatiova is altered by Fox Nakam to be uh, Ludicolo, which is just how crazy the deck is. All right. We're going to move on to my third card here. And unlike Jero, I'm actually going to stay in the same color because <laughs> I play a lot of white <laughs> decks. Surprise, surprise. But actually, here, yeah. here's, an, here's another card that oddly, it started out for being in my decks for one reason and then actually ended up shifting and providing me actually kind of a crux for other decks. And that card is an instant, at least in this version from M13, is called Face Reward. And face reward is a instant costing three and a white and reads return to the battlefield all permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. And the real key here is all permanent cards, which includes all creatures, artifacts, enchantments, planeswalkers, and lands. And honestly, this card really got me started as a way to deal with those annoying... Uh, Chroma's Vengeance type cards in my playgroup where they blow up multiple kinds of permanents and really in the, in a way kind of reset the board completely. The Cleansing Novas, etc, etc. So this gave me an opportunity for a relatively cheap mana cost with just one white, particular white symbol in the top corner there to be able to rebuild my board. Now it's, it's the same, th same thing kind of like with Second Sunrise, just the fact that it doesn't help everybody is that this actually helps just me. But what it actually ended up making me create was thinking about permanence and thinking about lands. Well, if I want to throw lands in the bin, how do I do that? So that ended up actually being the impetus for uh, the deck I call Azorius Excavation, where it's Azorius Landfall with a sub-theme of land sacrifice. And again, I don't really talk about this much on on the on the podcast, but I, I do run this through Linvala Shield of Seagate, who allows me to basically keep my creatures hexproof or indestructible if by sacrificing her. And the whole goal of the deck is to try to be able to get a whole bunch of effects where I'm able to either get lands on the battlefield or sacrifice lands and then be able to return them to play. So I at, at instant speed. So I'm able to sacrifice lands to various things like uh, Zurin Orb or uh, let's see, what, what else do I run in here? Um, I, I run Pegasus Stampede, which is an old sorcery, which has sacrifice a land as a buyback option. So I'm able to do that. Uh, one of the really stupidly cool things I do in there is I play Walk the Eons, which is a sorcery for four blue blue. Uh, target player takes an extra turn after this one and has a buyback of sacrificing three islands. So if it's later in the game and I have a whole bunch of mana just lying around, I can cast Walk the Eons, buy back and sacrifice three islands, cast Face Reward, bring those islands back to the battlefield, and then I can use them on my extra turn 
well, then having all of my creatures with landfall triggers go off and do various things. So it's a very cheap deck that really runs around the face reward type effects because I want to sacrifice those lands, but with the intent of being able to get them back. So, I mean, that card really was the impetus for, for this deck, especially also, I, I should be mentioning Excavation. It's the reason why I built this dumb deck. Um, Excavation is, a, is an old enchantment uh, costing one and a blue and says pay one, sacrifice a land, draw a card, any player may play this ability. And just the ability to be able to activate Excavation or activate one of my other instant speed effects to be able to sacrifice lands, draw cards, and then be able to return all the lands to the battlefield is a really nice way. And this deck can actually be quite explosive when it wants to. Does it win? Probably not. But is it explosive? Yes. <clears throat> I love that, uh, the idea of Excavation in particular because it is a, a mutual effect so anybody could use it. Mm-hmm. So there are certainly going to be political times where maybe somebody wants that. Yeah, and it, that that's really what's nice about, about Excavation. You're right there, Jero, is that anyone can activate if they're willing to pay the price. Obviously, if someone's ramping really hard and get a lot of lands out in the battlefield, they could use this searching for answers because you can, you can pay for the one mana by using the land that you sacrifice. So if you have a lot of lands out there, you can just start sacking those, trying to draw cards, dig deeper in your deck. But again, I, the idea is, while it is symmetrical, I'm going to hopefully get the most value off of this card because I want my my lands <clears throat> to go to the graveyard. So, it yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's symmetrical, but I just really think that it, it helps me the most. And my uh, weird motley assortment of landfall creatures in white and blue, which people don't typically think about, actually ends up working out quite well with this deck and honestly the deck is under a hundred dollars and it's available on my mox field list if you're interested in checking that out nice i was also thinking of like instant speed somebody needs to dig for an answer nice to have that out i've also had it happen before where because i run my group hug elements somebody leaves me around longer than they should Mm-hmm. that too I, I guess I've never had that opportunity before because again, typically it doesn't, it's not relevant at the end of the game, but it is nice to have that, uh, the possibility that people will want to draw some cards off you before you die. So, you know, th- things happen, but yeah. And yeah, this is a really fun deck. I, I had it in Bellevue when I was at command fest back in July and it, it did some pretty bonkers things. Nice. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Jero, do you have just a, another card you'd like to give a quick shout-out before we end the episode today? Sure. Um, I wound up going harder on these effects than I used to, but one of my favorite cards to play just in general because it's so... It, it makes games exciting. Mm-hmm. Mana Flare. Mana Flare, nice. Mana Flare, Heartbeat of Spring. Just... They make all kinds of chaos. Uh, one of my favorite decks that uses Mana Flare is uh, I have a <clears throat> red-green Clothis Enchantress deck, um, which uses Mana Doublers as well as Damage Doublers, mm-hmm. or Damage Multipliers, I have to say, because Fiber Confluence is triplet. So, like, I have games regularly with that deck where <clears throat> Mana is dex-tuppled, uh, so or sorry, lands like lands tapping for five or six mana, uh, damage doing seven or eight times. 
and then I do something like cast a giant emulating inferno for I mean tons. Yeah. The, the deck is just an exercise in how silly and bonkers math can be. Yeah, and, and you're a teacher, so you would know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a statistics professor, but I'm also a history teacher. I know, I but, know. Yeah, the, the, I mean, it was... Uh, it, it, it's a hoot. Um, it's fast enough that uh, I played it in a pod with high-powered decks, including a uh, CEDH uh, Yuriko deck. And... <laughs> Ah, it was just a little bit short <laughs> mm-hmm. of taking out all three players at the same time. <laughs> yeah, crazy things happen when you have a lot of mana, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that I have that's, that uses an underrated card. Uh, this is one that's going to get an altar soon, but doesn't have one yet. Uh, is uh, what was the Naya, Naya's name? Not Gishath. Uh, oh, we're 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 talking about. Uh, oh, that that that's gonna that's gonna really hurt me. I should know. Zakama. Zakama. Yeah. Zikama. I I I was I was even thinking about it. it's like it's the big three headed dinosaur. I just can't remember what it's called. Uh, so that deck is designed around mana doublers and. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, so mana doublers to be able to use the abilities like over and over and over again, as well as ways to untap lands. Why is the untapping land so important? Well, to be able to use them again, but also because one of the cards that it's a another one of those functional reprints, uh, which I love because it allows me to have additional copies of things, so I can make my deck uh, do whatever goofy thing I want over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Uh, Winter's Night such a a silly card that people don't know exists. What does it do? <laughs> For one each of Naya, it's an uh, alliances card. Uh, whenever a snow-covered land is tapped for mana, it produces an additional mana of the same type, and doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. <clears throat> so that's where the ways to untap lands come in. Uh, like, let's say I have uh, Zakama with... Uh, this is just brutal, but it's a comma with Sword of Feast and Famine on it. Uh, attack somebody, brutalize their life total and commander damage, and then untap all my lands, which tap for double because of Winter's Night. Mm-hmm. And then use its abilities over and over and over again. <laughs> yup, that, that, that does a thing. Yeah. Whether or not the thing's worth doing, I don't know. But the deck is ah, sick. come on, <laughs> it's a comma. Come on, don't oh, be well, shy. When you have meta doublers, the comma comes out even faster. Oh, oh, I I don't even want to think about that. That is that is honestly scary. And now I'm gonna have nightmares. Thank you, Jay Root. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna have this giant three-headed dinosaur haunting me in my sleep. Great. I think it has eight mana doublers and then two effects that, like Collective Voyage, that just uh, search out a bunch of uh, <clears throat> uh, so search out a bunch of basics. Uh, New Frontiers is the other one that. Uh, so those two are cards that I use a lot. I, I have them in. I have both of those in my 
uh, <clears throat> my new my neo simic burn <clears throat> with Tatiova, because with Tatiova out, yeah, everybody's searching for lands, but I'm searching for lands and gaining life and drawing cards, mm-hmm. and using that to find the hurricane, which is now going to do a lot more. Yep. Alrighty, we're gonna go to my my last cards here. So, I mean, I I know I talk about all, pretty much all of these on my favorite cards episodes a long time ago. Um, so I mean, I, I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Empty the Warrens here, just because everyone knows I enjoy playing that. Because there's nothing like being able to have a storm count for goblins if you've cast literally any other spell that turn. Um, just being able to you know get four, six, eight goblins, or even just two if you need them. Um, is, is really nice to just be able to have that. It goes literally in every red token deck I run. Um, just because you can't beat it, the cost is dirt cheap, so, you know, you can pick up a million copies of this thing and still be out, you know, not that much cash. But I really think the, the card that I wanted to, to mention here um, actually ends up being oddly CDH playable again and uh, is definitely playable for all of my green decks because that's how I started, honestly, was was in green. So... I'm going to throw out Deadly Recluse. And Deadly Recluse is a 1-2 spider for one and a green that just has reach and death touch. You know, greens struggle sometimes with dealing with uh, with flying creatures, and it's nice to just be able to have a way to say, uh-uh, I have a silly little spider that can kill it. So just kind of a fun little way. I throw this in a lot of green decks, even though it really doesn't necessarily fit the vibe just because I like having the ability to be able to block flying creatures and force my opponents to maybe not attack me. So just a, a silly little card that, uh, you know, it, it. I almost look like more of it's just a utility creature, kind of generically good versus, uh, you know, something that may actually fit in the deck more just because I just like that ability to force my opponents to think about uh, attacking me a little bit. Babylon summoners are crapping and everything, but <laughs> there goes that saying, right? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say that definitely works. I mean, <clears throat> honestly, if you didn't put on summon an unsummon effect in your deck, I would start wondering if there's something wrong with you. Um, did you um, get kidnapped by I pirates or? Uh... <laughs> I don't always put them in my non-blue decks anymore. Sure. Uh, when I started with the unsummon spell mantle, I was just putting it in everything. Uh, yeah, so I was putting at least one effect in everything because I was trying to build around that uh or uh but uh, i mean i'd like on summon i use it uh, in a lot of different places and those effects in a lot of different places but i'm not pigeonholing myself that much mm-hmm. something's fun i want to build it yeah for sure well anyway jero thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today it's been great to have you on the show again it's been great just talking about a few of the cards that i know we've talked about these on most of the episodes before but it's just nice to kind of be able to synthesize those in another episode you know absolutely all right yeah and where can the fine folks out there listening to this episode find your content again so you can find on twitter at coach underscore j underscore ro at on twitch at twitch.tv backslash on summon skull uh on youtube at bit.ly backslash on summon skull i run the quote of arms uh podcast uh and i write for eda track mm-hmm. all right sounds good and if you're interested in checking out any of the podcast episodes I've had J-Row on, whether it's the Planeswalkers or just some of the regular episodes, you can find those wherever podcasts are usually found. As you Google Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rocket Cast, Pocket Cast, Overcast, MTG Cast, 
Gasbox, and a million others. I never remember all of them, but if it's a major podcast outlet, you can probably find me on there. Uh, I want to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout out and thank you again to the awesome people that support me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So huge rounds of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J Rowe, Geek Beardly, and Scoop Base for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.